Uh, we're going to continue now with verse 35 and go uh, to the end, uh, 17 verses, um, which brings us up to Cana, which we'll do next week. Um, the next day, uh, if you're counting these days, uh, you'll see where we are, okay? John was there again with two of his disciples. Now you see, he's called him the Lamb of God. He's called him the one who baptizes in the Spirit. See, these are, this is all revelation of who Jesus is. And so now, he calls him the Lamb of God. This gives us a lot of work. Does he mean the Paschal Lamb? What is a Lamb of Sacrifice? Actually, the word for lamb in Aramaic is tariyah, which also means servant. So behold, the servant of God. I don't think many people embrace that opinion anymore. Um, but if the gospel were being preached in Aramaic, you'd pick up both, you see. So, um, behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard what he said, and that was enough. They followed him. That was enough. There he is. Okay. Off they go. That's like the vocation stories in the synoptics, right? Jesus is walking along the shore and he says, come, follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. They drop everything and follow him. Now, is that schematic? I don't know. But the point is, when Jesus speaks, drop everything and follow him. Obey him right away. Uh, that's the point. Um, so the two disciples heard what he said, he said and followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following him and said, what are you looking for? T-C-T-T. What are you looking for? That's our Lord's question to every one of us, isn't it? What are you looking for? Are you looking for a comfortable life? Are you looking for success? Or are you looking for me? What are you looking for? Now, they answer the question, Rabbi, another title. So he's already, he's Lamb and he's Rabbi. Which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said, come and you will see. Uh, I translated it that way because I need that when we get to chapter 7. We'll see when we get there. So they went and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day. It was about four in the afternoon. Andrew, the brother of Simon Peter, was one of the two who heard John and followed Jesus. So Andrew was one of those two when he said, Behold the Lamb of God, you see, and they followed Jesus. Andrew was one of them. So now... Uh, he goes and he found his brother Simon and told him, now this is another title. We have found the Messiah. One day with Jesus is enough. I got it. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one of God. He's come 
to set not just the nation right, but the world right. We have found the Messiah. Then he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him, and now we have a revelation the other way. You are Simon, the son of John. You will be called Kephas, which translated means Peter. Petros, rock. You see? Now, this is important. I'm going to mention it now, and then I'll recall it when it happens. The rhythm here is see, declare. And you'll see it. It was a friend of mine, Michel de Gurt, who first published this wonderful article pointing this out. That when there's a word of revelation, you see, you are Peter. You see? Jesus looked at him and said, this is a word of revelation. You are, you are Kephas. You are Peter. We're going to see some others. Then we're going to see one. It establishes vocation. I'm going to tell you now, and then of course when we get there, I'll, I'll tell you again. Just think for yourselves what happens at the cross. Jesus sees the mother and the disciple and he declares their vocation. Woman, behold your son. Son, behold your mother. That's their vocation. That's the vocation of the church. John is standing there in the place, you know, in the name of the church. So here, we just, this is the first time we've had, well, it's the second time. Uh, John is getting old, you see. Saw him and said, behold the Lamb of God. That's revelation. This is the formula that comes I hesitate to say, I think it's about six times, four times in John. The next day, so we're at our next day now, right? He decided to go to Galilee, and he found Philip. This is Jesus. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida, the town of Andrew and Peter. Isn't this interesting how our Lord gathers these people? They're already friends or brothers. You know, and he raises that relationship and binds it in the Holy Spirit. It's quite beautiful. So anyway, Philip was from the side of the tone of Andrew and Peter. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one about whom Moses wrote in the law and also the prophets, Jesus, the son of Joseph from Nazareth. At that Nathanael said to him, Can anything good come from Nazareth? And now Philip says almost what Jesus said before, Come and see. Now why would he say that about Nazareth? Because it was a really hick town. There was not even a road to Nazareth. Nobody went there unless they had to. There was a path up the hill to Nazareth. It was a poor town, small town, probably small-minded town. And uh, Nazareth, I mean, I could understand Capernaum, maybe, you know, or, or Tiberias, but Nazareth? Jesus from Nazareth? Think about that. When you think about the humility of Jesus, right? We just saw a week ago, he became flesh. He didn't become glorious flesh. He didn't become rich powerful, acclaimed, followed after. He came from Nazareth. I was once traveling 
um, with a friend of my, a friend of mine, and um, we were talking about this, and he said, you know, you might you might recognize who this is. He said, you know, I'm from Jersey City, and where I come from, you see, uh, purgatory is a step up. And so, you probably recognize who I'm talking about. Uh, well, that's how they, Nazareth, anything is a step up, you see. Jesus saw Nathaniel coming toward him and said to him, you see the sea, the say, that's the revelation. Here is a true Israelite. There is no duplicity in him. What a wonderful thing to say about somebody, right? In Psalm um, 32, we have this beatitude. Blessed is the one whose sins are forgiven. Uh, I got up by there the Psalms. Um, whose guilt is covered over, to whom the Lord imputes no guilt, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Well, just a minute. The first three are all God's acts, right? Whose fault is removed, um, sin forgiven, the Lord imputes no guilt, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. That last one, no deceit, you see, is the fruit of the forgiveness of sins. That's what it is. He goes on himself to tell us, you see. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my strength withered as in dry land. Then, this is verse um, 5, 3, maybe I can't see it. Then I declared my sin to you. My guilt I did not hide. I said I confess my transgressions to the Lord, and you took away the guilt of my sin. If we can speak without guile, it's because we know we're forgiven. And if we know we're forgiven, it's because we've really confessed our sins to the Lord. We didn't say, oh, well, you know, I mean well. We said, I sin. Then we speak the truth. And there's no guile in us. So guilelessness comes from having your sins forgiven. Isn't that beautiful? So, we have to hurry now. <clears throat> How do you know me? Jesus answers and said to him, Before Philip called you, I saw you under the fig tree. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Two more titles. You could go back and count all the titles in this section, you see, revealing who Jesus is. Jesus answered and said to him, Do you believe because I told you that I saw you under the fig tree? You. But now this you is a plural you. You, all of you standing there. You all will see this greater things than this. And he said to him, but to everybody, Amen, Amen, I say to him, you, plural, will see the sky opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Now that is from the book of Genesis. Jacob has his dream. What does he see? The angels ascending, and first ascending and then descending. He's just made this all this rock an altar. That's all there is for a temple. You understand? Now Jesus is saying, I'm the new temple. I'm the new place of revelation. You will see the angels ascend and descend upon me. 
It's a beautiful text. And it's Nathaniel, the guy with the hard head, who uh, gets that revelation. Uh, there's a man in, in his Nogile. I'm going to tell you, Nathaniel, what's going to happen. You, all of you, will see the sky opened and the angels of God ascending and descending, those going up and then going down like they do in the Genesis text, on the Son of Man. And that means that I am the new, because they're going up and down this ladder on the rock which um, Jacob has made for uh, an altar. Jesus is saying, I'm the altar. I'm the temple. I am the new temple. This is even before he says it in chapter 2, in a little while, destroy this temple and so forth. I'm trying to help you, my friends, see how rich, how beautiful this is. And it is fascinating, but you see, now if you ponder it, if you go back and read it and beg the Holy Spirit to open it up for you, the Holy Spirit will take these realities, not just the words, the realities, and impress them on your spirit. And you will know. Only the Scriptures can do that. Only the Scriptures. St. Thomas says, all other writings, the Lord teaches us immediately through the writing, you know? Or like He heals us through a doctor. That's immediately. The Scriptures, He teaches us immediately. It's He Himself teaching us. Nobody else. Just like if you're sick and you get healed miraculously, it's God who healed you. So when you the realities of these texts start to come into your heart, it's God Himself who is instructing you. So we'll leave that for now, and next time we'll do Cana. <laughs>